Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. I am Leo Flowers. Uh, this is a book review edition of Will Smith's new book called Will, W-I-L-L. Um, what a story. I thoroughly enjoyed this book. I have listened to it and have read it. And uh, so that's why in this book review, I will not be giving page numbers because I can't remember. Well, I wouldn't know what page certain things were on because I listened to half of it. But I just want to be fully transparent with you, the listeners. Uh, but I want to give you possibly 10 takeaways from this book or 10 things that I thought were fascinating that resonated with me. Uh, number one is, first of all, get the book. The, the book is it's a great read. It's an insightful read. Um, there are some challenges with the book that I will bring up later on. But and I don't even know if challenge is the word, but but you'll see when I get to it. When I get to it, you'll be like, oh, OK, uh, there will be spoilers in this. I'm, 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 I mean, if you yeah, like I'm, I'm just going to I'm just going to tell you what I took away from it. So if you don't want to hear anything about the book, this is not the review to listen to because um, I'm just going to share all the things that really. So if you've read the book, this is great for you. Uh, the first thing that stood out to me was Will Smith talking about the importance of choosing the city you live in is as important as choosing a life partner. I want to emphasize that choosing the city that you live in is as important as choosing your life partner. This resonates with me on so many levels. One is I have asthma. And when you have asthma, you, I can't just live anywhere. I, I perform on cruise ships, and sometimes uh, I, have to, I, I get to perform in the Bahamas or in these very humid climates where there's also a lot of construction. So the humidity, the heat, and the amount of construction, which creates environmental irritants exacerbate and completely trigger my asthma. So those are places I couldn't live. And if I lived there, I would have to be very careful and cautious, and I'd probably be very irritable and asthmatic, and it would limit my outdoor activity, which would then limit my exposure to sunlight. And it, it would just not be good for me mentally overall as I think about it and or physically because I love to move outdoors which is why I live in San Diego and also you know the importance of where you live it dictates how much you're able to interact with people when I visited Sacramento I met so many people and befriended so many people in the few days that I was there and it was just that vibe of at least a part of Sacramento that I was in that Sacramento gave off that I haven't experienced in other cities. I, you know, even here in San Diego, I've been here for over a year, and uh, and I don't have a dog. If you have a dog, if you have a pet in San Diego, it's much easier to to meet friends and connect with people here. But in Sacramento, without the pet, without the dog, I find myself like I made ten friends in in a span of two to three days. So there's something about the area that we live in that can determine how social we are, how active we are, how, how much rest and sleep we get. My good friend uh, Peluso 
who had some shows that I forget what part of Colorado it is, but the altitude got to her. She couldn't sleep. If you can't sleep, you know how irritable you are if you can't sleep. And there are people who are in these high altitude areas who are walking around irritable that have no idea that a part of it might be due to the altitude, right? The humidity, there's so many factors that can tie into our emotions and our well-being. And, and even not just outside environment, your indoor environment, how clean is your place? How safe do you feel? Is it quiet? Is it noisy? Is it, uh, is it taken care of? Taken care of is not the word. But is it organized? Is what I. Is it free from debris? Is it dust? Is it is there mold? Right. You know what kind of flooring do you have? Do you have a carpet or do you have wooden floors? That dictates how much you're going to sit on the floor, how much rolling around you're going to do, how active you are. Right. So, and how much care that you have to put into taking care of the place that you're in? If you have a a large house, you might have to spend more time taking care of it than you would if you were in a studio apartment. So, and what color are the walls? You know, do you have posters or paintings on the wall? Or do you have nothing on the wall? Do you have plants and trees? So all these things are so impactful in how we show up. Are there windows? Are you getting sunlight? You know, so I really love that. He, he talked about that. Choosing the city you live in is as important as, as choosing your life partner. So I want to emphasize that. Second thing he, he discusses is reframe when you talk negatively against self. When we self-sabotage, it's two against one. Uh, it's respectable to lose to the universe. It's a tragedy to lose to yourself. So I want to highlight that because basically what he's saying is there are three challenges in our lives, right? Three obstacles. There's man versus himself. And then there's van, man versus man, like somebody else. And then there's man versus the universe. And so when we are talking about ourselves, when we're talking against ourselves, it is negative, I can't do this, and shaming ourselves and punishing ourselves, uh, you know, mentally, that's, we're attacking ourselves. And he's saying, why would you do that? He goes, man versus man is already tough enough. There are already people out there who might be trying to challenge you, you know, whether it's cops or neighbors or family members. He goes, you know, you don't really have co complete control over those people, right? And then there's also the universe that is going to hit you with earthquakes and locusts and whatever the universe hits you with. He goes, but you don't want to be against yourself. He goes, that's the one thing you, you can have some control over. So watch that negative self-talk. And that doesn't mean eliminate it because it's impossible to eliminate self-talk but don't let the self don't let that self-talk go unchecked don't 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 just let your self-talk mind be saying stuff and you don't sit down and be like i heard what you said earlier i, I heard i heard you what was that about you know don't be afraid to get in there and sit down with yourself and figure out what was going on and that's the power of meditation, right? Sitting down with yourself and really allowing yourself a safe space to say and feel and experience all the things and then seeing what's, what's really at the root 
uh, the emotions, the thoughts, and the obsessions. So um, reframe when you when you talk, you know, against yourself. But hear yourself out, though. Give yourself a chance to say all the things. That's what meditation is or journaling is. And then reframe it. Okay? Uh, number three, desire is personal weakens you over time, depleting because the insatiable because it's insatiable. Purpose is broader and it strengthens you. So I love this because here he's talking about desire versus purpose. So desire is personal. Like I want cookies, cake, ice cream. You know, that's you know, for Leo Flowers, that's my thing right here. Cookies, cake, ice cream, donuts, come on man, donuts. Uh but that weakens you over time. Absolutely. Diabetes is real out there in the streets. Cancer, come on. Neuropathy, dangerous, emotional dysregulation, it's all there. Uh, but when we have purpose that's broader, that's purpose is about service, being uh, giving to others. It's a bigger mission, right? It strengthens you. I was watching this documentary about called Mully, and this guy made a lot of money, and then he sold everything to take care of kids who lived on the streets in, I believe, Nairobi. And his wife, who was, of course, like, wait, what are we doing? She talked about how even though they had hundreds, and I think at some point maybe a 1,000 kids that they were taking care of, she said she, it, she was tired but never exhausted. Like, she, she was always able to do it because it, it required work, but she said be, oh, she said it was a lot of work. Let me rephrase it. She said it was a lot of work, but she was never tired because it all came from a place of love and and service. And so when and and so when Will Smith talks about are you moving from a place of desire or a place of purpose, right? If you're moving from from, from a place of purpose, it strengthens you. This is why we can see like athletes who have the flu, like Michael Jordan or Dwayne Wade, who had, uh, or uh, I think it was Dwayne Wade or Isaiah Thomas or Isaiah Thomas. He had a broken ankle and played the whole game on a broken ankle, right? Because he was thinking about the team. He was thinking about the championship. He was thinking about something bigger than himself. So desire weakens you. Purpose strengthens you. So go ahead and get in that gym of purpose and uh, get your swole on, people. Uh, the fourth big takeaway from the book is, um, all right, so this, I had to put this in context, right? Jay, uh, he said, I wrote down, wait until child is 13, then Jaden will come to you. So in the book, he's talking about how he wanted I forget what this is in reference to, but but his son Jaden was like eleven years old, and Will was trying to connect with him, or get, I don't want to say get custody of him, but there was something going on, and his father said, "Wait until he turns." Oh, not this wasn't Jaden. This is his um his firstborn. I forget his firstborn's name, but um. But basically, 
uh, he was with his original wife, uh, his firstborn he had with the, with the first wife before Jada. And Will Smith wanted custody of, of his firstborn son. And, he's, and his father, Will's father said to him, wait until your son turns 13 and then let him pick instead of going through this huge custody battle. It'll be tiresome, exhaustive, and your son will hate you. And I thought that was that was great advice because a lot of times we want something, we want it now. And and so that was probably Will's desire to have his son now. I want custody now, so I'm gonna go to court now. But his father helped him see the bigger picture, the broader purpose of if it's about you loving your son and caring for your son then wait till he's 13 so that he doesn't end up hating and resenting you for pulling you away from his mom or creating this huge battle that he's now uh, in the middle of. So I thought that was a great advice. And I think because there are a lot of parents, I know I have a lot of listeners who are parents who may be going through a divorce or dealing with custody. Uh, like sometimes we have to wait and be patient for the thing that we want because we're thinking of the bigger picture uh, versus our own desire uh, and, and having our needs met. So I thought that was powerful. Um, the fifth big takeaway from this is uh, he created a fight camp mentality. He said <clears throat> he wanted to help people I, I love build extraordinary lives. And so basically in his fight camp mentality was we're all on the same page here, right? Like we're all going to eat well, we're all going to exercise, uh, we're going to read, we're going to do these things. And so if you're going to be in his camp, in his team, if you're going to be around him, these are the, the things that are required of you during this time. And I think that's, a, you know, sometimes we have to do that with our friends of saying, I'm in this I'm in this period of training, and so these are the people I need to surround myself with. Or I'm in this period of training, and these are the habits I need you all to pick up if, if you want to stay in my circle for this time, or I'm going to have to find another circle. And I, I think that's it's beautiful because it's you being aware of what you need and sharing what you need and setting a boundary around that. And the thing about fight camps is they don't last forever, right? Two months, three months. Uh, when I went to football camp, football camp was three weeks or two weeks typically, but there was one month, there was one year where it was three weeks. So every now and again, recognize when you need to go on a fight camp. A lot of musicians do this where they call it woodshedding, where they go off in the you know, off, uh, into the, the woods or they just go off grid. For a little bit the Beatles did it the monkeys all these all these bands have had some form of woodshedding Miles Davis where they just go and they go this is this is what we're going to do for the next couple weeks or next few months and just focus on this one thing so know when you need to get into a fight camp mentality but also know that it's not sustainable and and when you can do that periodically and intermittently uh, you can help people build extraordinary lives, right? Uh, the sixth big takeaway from Will Smith's book is give your hearts but not into each other. Oh, 
So Jada Pinkett had, she read a quote to Will, and I guess they were going through a few things. And it was by Gerald, Gerald, Gerani. I forget, I forget the, the author's name. But basically he says, uh, if you're a couple, stand close to each other. Be close to each other, but not so close that uh, that the, the 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 roof above you collapses around you, right? If you're too far apart, the the roof can collapse uh, uh, between you, and if you're uh, too close together, then you can't hold up the roof. So it's about finding that space that's perfect for you to be able to hold the roof up and be close to each other and not suffer a collapse, right? And I, I thought that was a beautiful way of phrasing it because I think sometimes in relationships, we, we think we have to be right on top of each other and do everything together. But if you're too enmeshed, if you're too close, then we can't support the roof above us, right? That means, you know, basically in, in, in street talk is like if we're – two together, then I'm not going to work and you're not going to work. We're not making money. And then we can't keep the, the, uh, the bills paid. We can't keep the, the roof over our heads. So it, we, a relationship, a strong relationship requires space. And, and that space with your significant other, with your work, with your workouts, with your, with anything that you're involved in, you want to, you want that space to to move in and then step away also. And I mean if you can maintain the same distance which you know is not sustainable in any dynamic relationship, but it's about being aware of all right, well, you know, we've been we spent a lot of time together. Now we need a little space and that's okay. Right? Because it's how we keep the bills paid and a roof over our head. Now, you don't want to be too far for too long because then that's when it collapses and we have infidelity or neglect or abuse, et cetera, et cetera, right? Or just um, even, <laughs> not dullness, but not melancholy. What is it? It's like indifference, right? Indifference can set in where you, you spent so much time apart that uh, you just don't even care about what, what's happening. So we don't want that. But you don't want to be so close that you lose touch and sight of who you are and or even connection with who you are and how you feel and what your needs are, right? Uh, the other big takeaway from the book is women lose trust in men who please. Ooh, I, you know, I'm a big people pleaser, so I have to manage that because I know I, my pendulum can swing from people pleasing to I just shut down, isolate, withdraw, or become completely selfish and self-centered. So finding that balance is tough for someone who is working on that, right? And so give yourself some grace and compassion for finding that space between being of service and being there for other people and also being there and connected to yourself. So women lose trust in men please. Ooh. Uh, which brings us to the last two uh, takeaways from the book is one, and this is 
I love this because I, I then had this conversation with my girlfriend. Will Smith talked about how he fantasizes about having a harem, being with multiple women. And then he shares that with his life coach. And he thinks that the life coach, who is a woman also, is going to be like, what? And shame him for having this idea. And this is while he's married to, to Jada Pinkett. And she says, well, tell me about your harem. And he was like, you know, it'd be, you know, 10 women, blah, 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 blah. And she goes, no, but but tell me, like, like, what are their occupations? Because when you think of a harem, it's not just to meet your sexual and physical needs. A harem is also to meet your social needs, your intellectual needs. So t- tell me about these women. What are their characteristics? Are they farmers, doctors? Uh, lawyers, are they writers, artists, dancers? Tell me about this harem of women, you know? And so he realized that, one, he had never really thought about it specifically. He just thought, you know, a harem of women. And, two, he realized that the fantasy was just an outlet, uh, uh, a distraction, because really, if he can't satisfy his one girl, Jada, and how is he going to satisfy 10 of them? And so he was so grateful that he got to explore the fantasy that it diminished the fantasy for him completely, right? Which I think is beautiful. I think a lot of times we have these fantasies that that keep repeating themselves because we're, we're not talking about it. We're ashamed of them. We're embarrassed or we think it's going to hurt the other person's feelings. And so we don't say anything when really it's in the sharing of these fantasies that can allow for intimacy and growth. Because remember what Will Smith, what Will said, women lose trust in men who please. So if you're not sharing your fantasies because you think it's going to hurt her and you know, you want to please her, then she's going to lose trust in you because she's going to know that surely you must have, thoughts and ideas about other women. So don't lie and say that you don't, right? Just be upfront and be like, yeah, I think about it. But, um, <laughs> you know, I also think about the trouble and the consequences that it would come with. And I think about how much, uh, you know, how much fun that would be to entertain it, but it, it wouldn't be worth it um, ultimately. And so I think that, you know, that's great. And then maybe even, you would learn something about the fantasy that you can bring into your relationship, right? That, uh, you know, maybe Jada could entertain that on some level. So I thought that was a powerful reveal. And then the last one, and this, as I mentioned at the top when I said challenge, is he talks about doing ayahuasca. And it's in, the, I believe, the last chapter of the book. And... I was like, man, Will Smith doing ayahuasca because I had I'm 40, I'll be 46 this year. I've never done it, and I, I'm no judgment on it. I was surprised because when when I think of Will Smith, I think of you know he has kind of a squeaky clean image, and I was like, ayahuasca. How's he not shared this? It's not that. It was more the fact that it hadn't been shared up to this point. Like, why wait to the book where? Where was the tweets or the Instagram uh, post about you doing ayahuasca? Why did you hide this from us? Why, why am I just now hearing about 
it was more of that, right? Um, so I'm like, what else are you doing that you're not sharing with us? Well, I got to wait till, till the next book to, to find out something else. So Because in the book, he shared that he's done it at least 14 times. And for those of you who are considering ayahuasca, his big takeaway, according to him, was that I am enough. Say it with me. Say it with me. I am enough. It, his big takeaway was a feeling of adequacy because his whole struggle, his whole journey throughout the book was about enoughness. Am I making enough? Am I doing enough? Am I, you know, I mean, he, according to him, his struggle was uh, being a coward. But uh, to me, the root of all that was his fear of not being enough, not being enough of a man, enough of a superstar, enough of a provider, enough of a husband, not making enough. And I'm saying, I'm sharing this with you so that to save you 14 trips to Costa Rica to do ayahuasca. So, you know, I, you are enough. And I think that's a powerful message that, and we don't need ayahuasca to do that. I have heard ayahuasca is effective for people who have struggled with sexual trauma. Um, and I've had some friends do it, and, and they all have enjoyed it. I've never tried it, so I can't speak on it. But if you're thinking about it, if it, you know you don't have the money or time to go to Costa Rica, just know that the big message will be I am. Enough. And everybody's message is going to be different. But... Will Smith has done it 14 times, and he said most of it was a nice journey, and a couple times were a little scary, which that's terrifying for me because I don't even know what a little scary is. Me meditating is scary enough. I go to some places during my meditation journey, and I'm like, what is going on here? And I love it. It's just fascinating to me that my brain can go to those places and I'm just sitting there. That's all it requires is to sit there for a little bit and then see what happens. You're like, what? This is bananas. So if you haven't read Will Smith's book or listened to it, get it. And it's, it's, I really enjoy the, uh, listening to it because it's his voice. And so, you you know, you get his style. And also, there's a, there's a surprise in the audiobook. I don't even want to tell you what it is. That way you got to go listen to it. But it's, it's a cool little surprise if you listen to the audiobook. So get that. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Uh, for my podcast listeners, uh, remember this podcast is not a substitute for you going to get help, but you call on the 1-800-SUICIDE or 1-800-273-TALK. You can always go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. Let's get to tomorrow together. Peace.